That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. Harry had been to several Hogwarts feasts, but never one quite like this. Everybody was in their pajamas, and the celebrations lasted all night. Harry didn't know whether the best bit was Hermione running towards him, screaming, You solved it! You solved it! Or Justin hurrying over from the Hufflepuff table to wring his hand and apologize endlessly for suspecting him. Or Hagrid turning up at half past three, cuffing Harry and Ron so hard on the shoulders that they were knocked into their plates of trifle. Or his and Ron's 400 points securing Gryffindor the house cup for the second year running. Or Professor McGonagall standing up to tell them all that the exams had been canceled as a school treat. Oh no, said Hermione. Or Dumbledore announcing that, unfortunately, Professor Lockhart would be unable to return next year owing to the fact that he needed to go away and get his memory back. Quite a few of the teachers joined in the cheering that greeted this news. Shame, said Ron, helping himself to a jam donut. He was starting to grow on me. What's up, potheads? Welcome to the restricted section, in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread the Harry Potter series for the umpteenth time and discuss how the story and its themes have stayed with a generation into adulthood. Thank you for listening. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry, we did it for you. Here's what we are talking about today. Chapter 18, Dobby's Reward. It's the last chapter of Chamber of Secrets! It's pretty classic. We get time for both Harry and Dumbledore to explain themselves. Ginny gets reunited with her parents and is fine now, I guess. Lucius Malfoy comes to see why the hell Dumbledore went back to school when Malfoy drove him out. And it turns out that Malfoy had been threatening the other school governors. So he gets sacked from that position. And also he brings Dobby with him. And Harry does this elaborate trick with a sock and the diary and sets Dobby free. That's why the name of the chapter is Dobby's Reward. Also, some other stuff. Harry's a true Gryffindor. We maybe start to get our first indication that the diary wasn't just some one-off piece of magic. It's part of a larger system. We get this line from Dumbledore where he's talking about how Voldemort put a little bit of himself in Harry, uh, a.k.a. Harry's a Horcrux. Um, But I guess we'll get to that later. And then we end the year with a feast and we go on home on the Hogwarts Express where Ginny lets us know that she caught Percy and Penelope Clearwater making out in an empty classroom. Da-na-na. Scarred for life. Welcome to the restricted section. I'm that one weird sock at the back of your drawer. Christina Khan. This is the restricted section. That's what you're listening to. You did it. You made it. Congratulations. I want to start by just saying up front that we are recording this episode on Wednesday, November 4th at 7 p.m. Eastern time. So if any of us seem tense, you I mean, you know why. Yep. Hopefully by the time you're listening to this, I'm not even going to finish my sentence. Don't jinx it. I'm terrified of jinxing anything. Every single group chat that I'm in, people keep sending live updates and I'm like, stop jinxing it. I know. It's like, dude, we all, <laughs> we're all on the same page. You don't have to send us Well, luckily, this is a very soothing chapter, because as with Harry Potter tradition, this is the chapter where we get all the answers. 
Yeah, yep, this is the Dumbledore explains himself chapter, basically. Um, well, slash Harry explains himself, so. Haley, how are you doing today? Fine. <laughs> okay, that was, was really that convincing. Con- was that convincing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, I'm doing great. <laughs> Andrew, how are you doing? I am. Okay, yep, see, I told y'all this is gonna be a tense episode. <laughs> Brooke, how about you? Okay, I had a pretty good sandwich for dinner, so that, that definitely raised the overall level of the day. <laughs> Small victories. And how about you, Mike? Hi, I'm uh, making my once annual book uh, um, show. Your once annual book show? Yes. <laughs> one time out of the book year, aka the book that I show up. So. Oh, okay. Anyway. I like that. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mike Book Day! <laughs> we, uh, we need to get you a theme song, Mike. And so, Aww. just like at a WWE match, we can just, like, be talking mid-podcast. Mid, uh, just hear your theme song come on. I'm guessing Spice World or Spice of Life. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, wait, wait, is he here? Yes, it's Mike! <laughs> like a cryptid, but a cryptid with a walk-on song. When I used to do stand-up comedy, my walk-on song was Fucking Problems by ASAP Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I love bad bitches, that's my fucking problem. And yeah, I like the fuck, I got a fucking problem. It wouldn't be Spice Girls, because by this point, it's 1998. So yeah. it'd probably be like, I feel like I'd be a back, or an NSYNC boy. I'd be an NSYNC guy. I think my walk-on song would be an NSYNC. Or Backstreet's Back, you know. Um, that's a good one. Yeah. That gets anyone kind of fired up to do anything, honestly. Before we get started today, I want to give a special shout out to our patron, Claire. This episode is sponsored by Claire, and she's been a former guest on the show before. She runs the Forgot to Unpack pod, and we just love her. Claire, thank you so much. Thanks, Snaps. Claire. Snaps Thanks, for Claire. Claire. Uh, this chapter starts with Harry, Ron, and Jenny staggering bloody into Professor McGonagall's office. This poor you woman. Know, making an entrance. They need a walk-on song. She she just wants to keep these kids safe, and they just keep not being safe. They finally made the responsible choice to call someone's parents in. Oh yeah, glad to see them, but only to mourn, never to help. I mean, literally, kids have been petrified all fucking year, and they've been like, ooh, that's really unfortunate. Don't worry, we're keeping your kid here. We're not purchasing Apologies Potion. We're waiting to grow it <laughs> ourselves. You cannot come. Do not worry. Your kid is stone. But the second your kid just disappears, suddenly, they're like, oh, you should probably come in. <laughs> to help with nothing. I mean, like, also, just not to be that guy, but, like, the fucking, the Weasleys are wizards, so it's like, yeah, wizards, totally, you can absolutely come and see what's up with your possibly dead child. With with the muggles, they're just like, eh, just stay over there. Oh, I didn't think you about can't, that. You can't come into our super secret uh, clubhouse, sorry. Oh, yeah, interesting. Sad. Do any, like, muggles ever, like, any parents ever come into Hogwarts because... I remember during the um, the Goblet of Fire, the Triwizard Tournament, they get, like, parental visitors 
but I think they're all wizard parents. And then there's that one scene where Hermione's parents are in Diagon Alley, but that's not the same. Yeah, I think Diagon Alley is like a middle ground. Safe zone. Gotta be able yeah. to buy your kids like, stuff for school. I don't know. Can muggles use the flu network? Uh, like, they are they literally could. capable? Good. Or would they just, like, get burned? I feel like they would need a guide. Like, they just can't do it on their own. Oh, guide. You know, right. like, like because, like, <laughs> you gotta navigate that shit. Right. And, like, well, if they can't use flu powder, then it might just be, like, the only way to get to the school is, like, this one train that goes to, like, the nearby village. And, like, it's just the Hogwarts Express. That might be it. I don't know. I, well, I think muggles can use the flu network. I could be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure the fourth book with the ton-tongued uh, toffee. Crushed it. Doesn't Arthur say something about having to take him to St. Mungo's to get it taken down? Uh, we don't see how that resolves itself, actually. I think, I think Mr. Weasley just... Away. No, I think Mr. Weasley just took care of it. Just handles it. Yeah, yeah, I think he sent the boys away so he could really scream at the Dursleys to, in order to remedy the situation. Wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I for one, am glad for Harry, at least, that... Well, and Ginny. I'm really glad that the Weasley parents are there, because Harry gets the instant gratification of, like, of, like, you did the right thing. And Ginny, I've been saying this whole year that Ginny needs her mom right now. She needs to just be like, some weird things are happening to me, and I don't think it's puberty. So <laughs> I'm just really glad that everything's out in the open. And Yeah, mo- mom's here. Mom is yeah, here, here, and we're all safe now. Well, this is later in the chapter. We can get there. But even her mom is like, why didn't you tell your mom? Yeah. Which, like, my mom would also be like, what? <laughs> tell your mom. If you don't feel like telling your mom whatever we're talking about come tell me i'll be your mom nope drama wizards (laughs) they they have to have the maximum amount of drama so everyone wants an explanation they're like why are you covered in blood where'd you get that sword how'd you get dumbledore's bird dumbledore's there too he like came back from being banished by the governors and so they're all looking at harry expectantly and he just really calmly walks over to mcgonagall's desk and lays down the sorting hat and the sword, and this stabbed diary. And then... Like, uh, just, I again, like, just this image of McGonagall, like, sitting behind her desk, like, clutching her chest and taking gasping breaths. Like, this poor woman. Dude, yeah. Harry's a straight BA. He, like, walked in and was just, like, dropping a sword on a desk, like, covered in, like, basically venomous, cursed ink. You know, with like the dead Horcrux of like Voldemort, and he's just like Thug Life. What up? Like, <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a BA man. Uh, no, like in in so far as any twelve year old is capable of having big dick energy, like that's a big dick energy moment. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. I will say, I found it really unimpressive that they were like he talked for nearly quarter of an hour. I was like, that's fifteen minutes. That's kind of a long time, though. Well, I don't know. We talk on this podcast for like two hours every fucking week, and it goes by in a blink of time. Do you think you could catch someone up on the entirety of what has happened in like basically the first until like the last two chapters of this book? So the spark notes is, I've been hearing this weird voice all over school. I didn't know what it was. Everyone said not to say anything. So I'm sorry about that. That's my bad. Um, um, um. Yeah, like, 15 minutes is like a mid-level comedy set. Yeah. 
Like, I, I mean, this would have to be like a really tightly told story. Like, yeah, he, ha- he would have to have like workshopped this. <laughs> yeah. Well, he he is kind of. I think maybe one of the reasons to be brief is because he is worried about Jenny. Because it says where he's like he was worried about what to say. So I think yeah. he's trying to be like mom on like the details. He's just kind of like, yo, voices. Weird shit. Yeah, a lot of, yeah, using a lot of, like, passive voice. Like, yeah. and then somehow it opened. Yeah, like, <laughs> I think, I think he's just, I think he's, the reason why it is so short, relatively speaking, is that he's just trying to, like, protect Jenny from, like, cause he says he was afraid of her getting expelled. Yeah, so he, like, stops when it gets to, like, the the whole diary part, because he doesn't want to get Ginny in trouble, and Dumbledore steps in, and he's like, what I really want to know is how Voldemort enchanted Ginny, which is, like, basically the slick segue Harry was looking for, so I guess at this time he's reading Harry's mind, right? Yeah. And he's like, oh, buddy, see, that's using your power for good. Yeah, no, he is fully reading minds this whole chapter. Yeah. Well, I think that's uh, just... That's just good grandpa instinct. I think that's all that is, is Dumbledore just can tell, like, someone fucked up here, and I don't know if it was Harry, and I don't know if it was Ginny, but we're just going to make sure that we have a good clean out, like, this is, he's, he's, been, was- around, he's, he's been around the block, he's seen a, a, a person get, uh, you know, uh, possessed by an possessed evil wizard with- ghost. Yeah, he's seen that time or two, so, you know, he, he, he's, he knows what's going on, he just knows that he needs to make sure that no one gets too in trouble, and we can come back and we can have a fun third year. So someone hit us up on social media or something. I'm sorry that I don't remember where or who you are. And I'm looking for it on my phone right now and I just can't find it. But whoever you are, way to go. Because someone hit us up to point out, because we've asked this in chapters before, like, is Dumbledore reading minds right now? Like, is he always reading minds? Does he always want to be reading minds when he teaches high school? Is that a thing you want? And whomsoever this person is, love ya. Love you, dear listener. Pointed out that, like, Dumbledore, I mean, he's a really ethical person, and so it would probably be against his personal code to just be, like, constantly reading minds. He probably reserves it for when he really needs it, like, right now, you know, and just kind of tries to ignore it. But also, like, they're 12-year-olds, and if you've ever seen, like, a group of 12-year-olds, it's a kind of easy situation to read. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. that's true. He is, like, how old is he in this, like, in this book? He's, he's 12. No, no, no. I mean, Dumbledore. Oh, he's like 150. Yeah, like like his mid-hundreds. Yeah, so if you've been around for over 100 years, and the majority of that time you've been teaching, like, 10-year-olds and 17-year-olds, you're probably pretty effing good at, like, reading them. I mean, reading the room, sure, but he jumps all the way from Harry being like, yeah, we, like, I got down there, and there was this, and there was a sword and stuff, and, like, he jumps all the way to, like, oh, yeah, Voldemort. Which it has not been brought up at any point. It it's yeah. definitely a mind reading situation as opposed to just like a reading the room. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, Vold- well, oh yeah, okay. Because uh, let's move on. So yeah, Miss Mister and Mrs. Weasley fuss at Jenny for not like knowing better. Yeah, which like we've talked about this before on the podcast. Where we were like, is this a thing where they just like don't know that this is peculiar and a thing to stay away from? And literally, Mrs. Weasley is like, haven't I told you to stay away from things that talk to you? I love the way Mr. Weasley puts it. Uh, haven't I always told you that if something is thinking and you can't see where it does its thinking, do not trust it? Crushed it. Or if you yeah, can't see you where, can't its, see brain where is, it keeps its brain Yeah. 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 I mean, he but wouldn't like, love computers, but... But, like, but he Tom, would love computers. Tom Riddle is like a teenage sociopath, though, and, like, he did, like... I mean, there are some definite parallels to, like, 
pedophile grooming going on with, like, him and Ginny, like, the way that he, like, gets her into his trust. Like, this can happen whether you're magic or not, whether it's oh, a diary or not. Like, he's just yeah. manipulative. Oh, that's a great point, Haley. Yeah. It was just the perfect storm. Because she was just, like, so... So vulnerable. She had so many thoughts and feelings to give to this little diary. Yeah, no, like, the previous chapter, like, the very beginning, it must have seemed like like just a novelty thing. Like, validating diary, it tells you you're not crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like a- I mean, I I feel like if you actually made that, you could make a killing. Yeah, I mean, a school surrounded by some crazy shit, a diary that talks back to you and is, like, reassuring- it's probably the least fantastical thing to, like, a young girl. Dude, well, they, could, they give these to all the freshmen to help with their self-care. I will say specifically, it's a good point that, like, the reassuring aspect of it, because that really did mask the dark magic elements of it early on. Because yeah. it's like, it, it wasn't a thing that was immediately like, have you ever thought about, I don't know, killing chickens? It was <laughs> like, it was a, it's a slow drip, you know? <laughs> Dumbledore steps in as the Weasleys are fussing at Ginny and suggests that she needs rest. We joked in the last chapter that it's like, LOL, you don't need a therapist, have some chocolate. But that's literally what he says. He's like, she needs to rest, get her some hot chocolate. And it's like, bruh. Later in the chapter, it says, oh my god, it says, okay, where is it? Later in the chapter, it says, quote, Ginny was perfectly happy again. And I, I don't believe it, frankly. (laughs) No, that's this kid has PTSD. She needs therapy. In general, there he's talking and he's like, "Oh, there'll be no punishment. Don't worry about it." Like, Madame Pomfrey's giving everyone mandrake juice, so really, no lasting harm done. And here's the thing: wizards may be all about the drama, but Hogwarts is all about the trauma. Yeah. Oh, trauma. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> It's so funny. I was listening today to our very first episode ever. And like back when we were just like, Haley brought up the issue of child and wanton child engagement. Like it was like a novel concept. And now it's just like a pillar of this, uh, of this podcast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Without wanton child endangerment, you don't have a story. You don't have a story. Yeah, for sure. They did hand a magical sword to a 12 year old. You know. Well, the they manifested a magical. Yeah, that's a little complicated. <laughs> um, but like you know, just in general, like not just Ginny, but also all of these other people are waking up from being stone for uh, in some cases literal months. Most of the school here, dude, being stone for months is not as bad as it sounds. I have. <laughs> I did it for years in college. Nice. <laughs> so I have two questions regarding the petrified people. One has Madame Pomfrey been turning everyone periodically so they I don't hope get so. bed sores? Yeah, I was thinking um, about that too. And two, how are they administering mandrake juice to nearly headless Nick? Oh no, we can't even. I we think can't it's even... just a dribble, like a mouth dribble. Uh, uh. But they, but he doesn't. You can't. He's not. What's the word? He's not corporeal. Not a non-corporeal being. A, 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 I opened, a bodily challenged. Have I Is opened a, a can of worms? Question for all of you. Just quick question. Do you think it is a drink, rub, or soak scenario with depetrification? I think mm-hmm. it's a drink. It does they are a- they are saying draft a lot. Yeah, draft. 
I think it's a soak. I mean, if you if you get like turned to stone, that's you're gonna so have many like, more sense. So many mandrakes. I mean, but well, it, when I say soak, maybe uh, maybe not full soak, a but at least bath? evenly apply. Like my uh, like mom's taking like a, like a, sh- a squirt a bottle and like lifting your fucking golden pathos. I actually, I'm immediately into that. I think it's a misting. Maybe like an eyedropper, since they got like petrified, but they like, oh. know that they got petrified through the eyes. But an eyedropper would be interesting. It doesn't answer yes. my question about Nick, but See, no, I think up, Nick, we just can't. Well, it, Haley, you bring up an eyedropper. Now that's got me thinking that like there's a scenario where there's like almost like a Breaking Bad level of detailed, like Madame Pomfrey taking a dropper, putting it in nostrils to like ease up that, and like ears and stuff. We're walking around with like plastic gloves on, like just the most professionally done application of mandrake drought around a human body. Draft. Yeah, cause cause think about it. If someone's petrified, that means like they're not gonna be able to swallow. Yeah, but True. you can dribble. When people are unconscious, you can give them water. But they're not just unconscious, they're made of stone, and what if they were petrified with their mouth closed? Their larynx yeah. closed. Oh, yeah, yeah, their mouth closed. That's why I think rectal is the answer. (laughs) Oh, indeed, indeed. Well, when I'm afraid, my butthole gets real tight. So, you know, it's just, maybe they have to do it differently for every person. I'm going with mist. It it makes the the most sense for the most applications. I think a gentle mist. I would agree. I would agree with a mist. I can accept that. (laughs) That would be so cute. Just it's like, like one of those old flowers. Yeah, it's like one of those old school plant misters. Like yeah. that kind of looks like an oil can. I have one of those. Yeah, they're adorable. I'll, I'll put it in the um, chapter photo for this chapter. Yes. Talk about the fact that, like, within four sentences, Dumbledore basically like switched, like, from basically being like, "Yeah, everyone's petrified, but don't worry, Jenny. Like, there's no such thing as lasting harm." And it's like, I don't know. Seemed like there could have been. And then he's like, let's have a feast. And then there's like, that makes sense. Like, Yeah, he definitely is moving really quickly. He's like, there has been no lasting harm, but they're also not fully recovered yet. So it's like, why don't we wait and see? He's jangling. He's jangling them keys. He's just holding them like, jingle, 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 jingle. <laughs> Food, now, jingle, jingle, jingle. <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? Like, who sits there and like, could you imagine your life was in danger? Like your best friends were petrified. You didn't even know if they'd survive. And all of a sudden some guy's like, don't worry, no lasting harm could come of this. Let's have a feast. I would literally flip shit. I'd be How like, about some lasting trauma? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's more of a thing where I would just be pissed if you'd presented all that information and someone literally looks at you and goes, cool, cool, cool. Is anyone else hungry? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could anyone else go for like Taco Bell right now? Is anyone else starving? Doesn't cheese sound good? <laughs> also, is, like, is Dumbledore stoned in this scenario? Yes, I think that's okay. what I'm getting at. <laughs> all right, all right. I think that Dumbledore is like when all these people wake up out of their comas, they'll want to be able to go to a celebration. But I don't think that's true. If you've ever come out of being anesthetized before, it's like you need like a full like three hours of just kind of being a baby to get back to your clear headed. Self, I would be like, I'm going to go, I've missed six months of my life. Like, I'm going to go take a walk. Like, I need a minute. <laughs> nope. Pajama party feast. <laughs> Pajama party. Yeah, so so Dumbledore dismisses, like, the whole room in, like, five sentences. And then it's, like, just the boys. And he awards them both special awards for services to the school. And 200 points apiece for Gryffindor. Hell yeah. He well, doesn't wait till the feast to do it. 
I want to know if the award for special service to the school is a thing that they can put on their resume. Like, what weight does that hold? Yeah, I think it carries a lot of weight because the awards are large in the trophy room. It's large enough that, like, we know that Tom Riddle got one because Ron was, like, really working on it. Right? I forgot about that. I think it's, like, I think it's, like, the best thing you can get. Do you you get a medal? They should. Yeah, but I mean, is that something you can, like, literally carry to, like, a 40-year-old man, like, sitting for an interview for a job, and you're, like... People just walk in holding, like, a giant shield, like, with your chin on top of it, like... (laughs) So... Can you pin that to your dress robes? (laughs) You you get a small version that you can pin to your uh, dress robes. What's it called? You get a miniature version of it. What's it called? The little thing. It's like a little ribbon with like a little metal at the end and it's on like military uniforms. Just like a little. I did did a thing. They call them awards. They're metal. They're ribbons. They're ribbons if there's no metal and it's a medal if there's metal. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. So all medals is ribbons, but not all ribbons is medals. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Michael, do you want to correct that statement? Uh, no, no, I think uh, I don't think anybody <laughs> wants to hear a three-hour tangent on the history. Uh, you can compress it. I believe in you. I don't believe myself in this. <laughs> try one, to get it down to like no, Michael. Try to get it down what? to like a quarter of an hour. <laughs> yeah. What, what would you if someone got a specific award from the military? What do you call the actual per- like portion that goes on their dresses? Well, Brooke, that's a really great and interesting and succinct question. I would say they are a hero. <laughs> So they're wearing a hero on their military uniform. That's what you're telling me. The hero, the ribbon of a hero. No, Brooke, a hero is inside of you, much like Harry demonstrated. (laughs) So it's a ribbon or a medal. (laughs) My quick question, aren't heroes also sandwiches? Mm, mm -hmm. They can be. They can also be. So you're calling veterans sandwiches now. Mm, And also, I can be your hero, baby. I can be your sandwich, baby. All right, we're done here. So Dumbledore is like, oh, hey, Professor Lockhart didn't see you over there. And Harry's like, I've been monologuing. I forgot you were there, too. And Lockhart's like, who? Who, me? Am I a professor? That's kind of cool. Just picturing Dumbledore, like, reading minds in the room. He's just like, all right, this is just legitimacy day. And he, like, goes through everybody, like, the traumatized Weasleys and Ginny's just, like, protracted mental screaming. Harry and everything that had just happened to him. And then he gets to Lockhart and it's just, like, elevator music. Like, do, do, do. Did it, dude. <laughs> and then Dumbledore's like, we'll get to him last, I guess. <laughs> hmm. I kind of feel like this might be the most fucked up part of all of this. Well, he hears he is a professor and he immediately was like, oh, I was probably not good at that. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. To- My okay. wife to Lockhart is like actually so relatable. <laughs> and then Imposter syndrome. Dumbledore just goes like, he's like, ah, impaled on your own sword, huh, Gilderoy? Uh, okay. So Dumbledore's like, ah, shit, that kind of sucks. Impaled on your own sword. Anyway, we'll get you fixed right up. Or like whatever he says. And Andrew, if you could like remind us what we learned in our Behind the Bastards episode about, like, the circumstances under which Dumbledore hired Lockhart. Can you just do, like, a quick, maybe, like, a quarter-hour refresher? Yeah, so the, the yeah, just a quarter-hour, that's it? <laughs> totally, totally. Uh, the, the very short version is that it there's a lot of signs that point to Dumbledore hiring Lockhart purely for the situation that he would, at some point, show on a level that is undeniable 
that he is a, uh, a fraud. There's a lot of evidence that Dumbledore had one, one of the people that uh, Lockhart stole from, stole the story of, uh, was actually a friend of Dumbledore's. And so that's not good when someone knows the true story and then you try and pass it off as your own. And then he did a little bit more investigation and that led to him hiring Lockhart. A, Basically to, to try spot, to out him, right? Yeah, and B, to uh, like capture him, which is really fun because that means that like we, we know who Dumbledore is. That guy thought of what line he wanted to use when the other foot fell and he chose fell on your own sword. Yeah. So I just think it's interesting that like Lockhart never gets outed, but he it's almost better because he gets like a, a total comeuppance. So Dumbledore's like, shit, okay, well my plan worked a little too good. Oh well. As as a karmic retribution, it's definitely the strongest possible outcome because yeah. literally he went from stealing other stories to not even knowing his own. Yeah. Which is like the most It's poetic. It's poetic. It's, yeah, yeah, it's poetic, but it's horrible. Like leave Take what you want from me, but leave my memories of my friends. Like, uh, oh, he, well, he doesn't oh, he have doesn't any fucking have friends. friends. He doesn't have any friends. <laughs> Nobody likes you. <laughs> well, I, I think I've said in the previous episode that, like, I don't really feel sorry for Lockhart here, but when we see him again in book five, by then I do feel really bad for him. That's really hard to bear witness to. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if y'all heard it or not on the uh, Behind the Bastards one, but the final book that Lockhart publishes, he publishes after uh, he has the accident and it is from St. Mungo's and it's another autobiography called Who Am I? Oh uh, no! <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> from Magical Me to Who Am I? <laughs> anyway, sign up for our Patreon account for more joyful anecdotes. <laughs> <laughs> the phrase Who Am I? in terms of diary writing, is probably the most uttered phrase by 6th to 8th graders. You know what it reminds me of? There's this bit in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy where a a whale gets manifested like a mile above the Earth in the sky, and it spends Uh, like two minutes falling to Earth, and it like... Whoa! What's happening? Who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose in life? What do I mean by who am I? Okay, okay, calm down, calm down, get a grip now. Ooh, this is an interesting sensation. What is it? It's a sort of a tingling in my... Well, I suppose I better start finding names for things. Let's call it a tail. Yeah, tail. And hey, what's this roaring sound? Whooshing past what I'm suddenly going to call my head. Wind. Is that a good name? It'll do. Yay, this is really exciting. I'm dizzy with anticipation. Or is it the wind? There's an awful lot of that now, isn't it? And what's this thing coming towards me very fast? So big and flat and round, it needs a big, wide-sounding name like Ow! Round, round, ground. That's it, ground. I wonder if it'll be friends with me. Hello, ground. Yes, it has an existential crisis for the two minutes that it's alive and then it's dead. We all, what? Oh my God, sir. British humor. That's British humor. (laughs) Isn't it funny? So, Dumbledore sends Ron out to take Lockhart to the hospital wing. Not that that, he's basically like, I need Pomfrey to babysit this guy, because I, I don't I don't have time for this right now. And then, she, honestly, he's like, maybe we should just knock him out for a couple of days and deal with this later. So, they, so Dumbledore and Harry start doing their classic wrap-up convo. One or both of them always just telling all the things they didn't tell to the other one. <laughs> So Dumbledore thanks Harry for his loyalty because that is what would have brought Fox to him, um, Fox the Phoenix, when he was down in the Chamber of Secrets, which is kind of cool. 
did anyone else read that in like Al- or, uh, uh, Marlon Brando from The Godfather's voice? Harry, I'm really proud of you because you could have only gotten this. I can't do the accent. But just no, like, you're doing great. Do it more. No, no. Nope. I know when I'm failing, and that, that was a fail. That was a hard fail. When did Dumbledore like come from like Southie Boston? Like, <laughs> yeah, well, and that's the sad thing. Is like I was trying to do Italian. I was trying to do uh, like I said, The Godfather. Like. Oh wow! Well, no, you, that you was just like you said. Like Dumbledore was played by Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get like a nice existential crisis from Harry because it's his turn. Yeah, it's his <laughs> turn. He's like, but he's talking about his feelings. So he he's talking about how Tom Riddle said that he that the two of them were really similar, which is something that comes up like honestly so much it gets kind of annoying because it's like Harry, just like be your own person. Who gives a shit? But. This is kind of the first time we really look at it. He confesses to Dumbledore that the hat put him in Slytherin. And then Dumbledore's like, yeah, but you were brave enough to ask to be in Gryffindor. And that's why you're a Gryffindor. Which I just read as more Slytherin hate. It's like... It, it's not necessarily that it's just because he asked. It, it, the, the nuance that I actually really did appreciate here was that he says that it's, the, it's our choices that make us who we are. Like uh, you can't always. Can you control. see that I I put that quote in all caps? I was yeah. like, "This is my favorite quote in the whole fucking book." But it's true. It's like you. It's your choices. It's the things that you actually do. Like no one can really control their thoughts. Yeah, right? your, your thoughts come, they go. You have preconceived notions about people, places, ideas. Things will always pop to your head that sometimes you agree or disagree with, but it's the way that you act on what you know to be right or the way that you interact with the world around you that truly makes you who you are. Yeah. Yeah, So the quote is, it is our choices that show who we really are far more than our abilities. I think it's, that's one of the most beautiful things about the whole Harry Potter series is if you think about it from a very like thematic thing is the villain is somebody who is a character who is tragic, like Dumbledore routinely, even in this chapter kind of gives Tom Riddle this kind of tragic lean to him. Yeah. Like really humanizes him. He is a character without choice. He is, he is destined to always be evil. And as we go further into the di- different novels and everything, we realize that he has a tragic background. Not exactly the same, but just as tragic as Harry's background. Mm-hmm. But Harry has free will, whereas Voldemort is a character that lacks free will and intentionally takes away free will from those who have a choice by use of fear. Whereas Harry continuously demonstrates free will in when there is fear, when he is in doubt, when there is a lack of hope, he chooses to have hope, he chooses to believe. So right. I think at the end of the day, that is the core essence of like these two, why why their characters are so dynamically imposed. You'll and, never know love or yeah. friendship. Yeah, man. It's 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 free will versus the lack of free will. You know? Wow. That's what makes Voldemort tragic and that's what makes Harry our hero. Wow. Incredible. So has has Voldemort gone full Captain Ahab yet about killing Harry, do you think? Like, because I always thought this was this was the encounter that makes him go from like, yeah, I'm going to kill you because you came in here to like, yeah, I'm going to kill you because you're a problem to me to like full on. I will kill you if it's the last thing I do. Well, does, knowledge from the prophecy. I'm not sure if he knows about it because like he, he they establish in the seventh book that like he can't tell when the Horcruxes are being destroyed. So I don't know if like current Voldemort finds out about this until like until, like, Wormtail comes and finds him, and possibly not... Well, no, Wormtail would know, because he's scabbers. Um, yeah. But, like, I but don't like, think... 
he doesn't have the strength even to be like that it's just like the least of his worries right now yeah, yeah i think the vendetta cut i think like first year was the one that gave him like the full-on like ahab vendetta yeah i will say we get like a full-on horcrux reveal here basically because he literally says like voldemort put a bit of himself in me harry said and dumbledore's just like i certainly think so yeah yeah you can see dumbledore like working on his theory in this scene like once you know what he was like thinking even now like when he's talking about um Professor Dumbledore Riddle said I'm like him. Strange likenesses, he said. And Dumbledore's yeah. like, did he now did in italics? Like, and what do you think, Harry? Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it is hard to know when exactly Dumbledore starts having, like, too much information, you know what I mean? Because eventually he becomes, like, I think guess it's more like the fifth book when he becomes this, like, really distant, secretive person. But, like, here, I mean, we, like, really see it coming together. Because, first off, he's, like, he's taking, he's asking Harry about the diary. And then he's, Mm -hmm. like, oh, that's a brilliant piece of magic. Yeah. And then Harry's, like, it's like there's a part of him in me. And Dumbledore's, like, unfortunately, I think I know what's going on here. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Don't worry, you're a Gryffindor. Does that help? Does that make things better? Well, and he shows him that the sword is Godric. Gryffindor's gut. Honestly, I would feel so fucking badass in this moment, dude. Like, a sword? That's so metal. Literally. And figuratively. <laughs> like, the thug walks in with this badass sword, like, and he's just like, did I save the day? I don't know, bitch. And Dumbledore's like, you summoned this with your strength from a historical hero. It's so fucking cool. Would any of y'all actually turn the sword in? I think that if I drew that bitch, I would find a way to fasten it to my hip. And when I walked in, I would give them the diary and I would give them the basilisk uh, thing. But no, no, that that that's my sword. This sword is mine. I would do anything I could to keep it, dude. If I just vanquished like an evil, like evil, like snake, and like kind of killed Voldemort, uh, or at least a part of him, I would drop out of school. I would take that sword. I'd You'd be like, become the Witcher, dude. Yeah, doses and mimosas. Like I would just start lifting weights, reading up, and yeah, I would Witcher the fuck out of like the magical kingdom, dude. Yeah, Harry just got his first kill. Dude, he, he didn't really like kill uh, Quirrell in that kind of a way. It was kind of an accident, but he just straight killed that basilisk like a monster slayer. Hey, He's a monster slayer now. And well, and he also killed the hell out of Tom Riddle's ghost, which was very mm. close to being a hero. Yeah, very metal. That's some pretty Witcher shit. And actually, if anyone's yeah. listening, if you can find me some like Harry Potter alternate Witcher universe fan fiction, just send it our way because I'm oh, the, the non sexy kind gonna, of that needs to be stated very explicitly. <laughs> I don't know if okay, well I don't know episode. if you're gonna find any with like no sex. Like <laughs> I, I can from, I can assure you that it exists. Haley went from I got your back, I got like a terabyte over here, I can bring it your way <laughs> to oh, oh no, I, you want like well oh no. I am on Archive of Our Own as we speak. I am uploading all of the docs to a flash drive. I will have it to your house in 10 minutes or less. But if you don't want porn, then I can't help you. (laughs) Alternate universe where Harry just goes, like, and becomes a vigilante and occasionally has, like, crazy sex with, like, dudes, chicks, and, like, weird things, and then he just slays some beasts. He's a little too socially awkward. He becomes an auror, which is basically the... 
the government version. It's of like a that. suit, though. He, it, yeah, in the, in the movie, in the flash, in the movie, in the epilogue, they put him in a suit, and I'm always like, ah, he got boring. Wait, would would an R be the equivalent of like a secret agent, or would that be an unspeakable? I think because I always R, thought that the unspeakables R. would be the ones that are more like like the the NSA like just no yeah I've always right. thought of the R's as like the CIA or FBI equivalent yeah where I think it's so. like yeah. they're like a highly trained like investigative like top tier policing force that are not policemen yeah and I think like a lot of the ministry does the legwork on the bullshit we see some of that with Arthur Weasley just like bullshit. I mean, as far as we're aware in this entire universe, the only two options for making money are working for the ministry or starting a small business for exclusively witches and wizards. Or going to Hogwarts, which nobody wants to fucking go to Hogwarts. Or be a Hogwarts (laughs) Those are your three options for employment in the wizarding world. (laughs) You think they get paid well at Hogwarts? No. I bet McGonagall gets paid I. I... She doesn't even need it, though. I would imagine because they allow them to live on site if they want, right? Yeah. Anytime you do that, they like they cut your salary because they're like, "Well, you're being provided accommodations." Uh, interesting. But also, like, I don't think the requirements are that high to be a professor. I and mean, look at the dark arts teachers that come through. It's it's that's not desperation, like, though. Yeah. Yeah. They put an ad in the paper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, if there's yeah. anyone bumping around out there that feels that they're qualified, please let us know. You can't even be, like, a daycare attendant without going through mad background checks, but the Wizarding World is just like, oh, you responded to our newspaper article? Please, come watch these children. Like, <laughs> yeah, watch them like a babysitter. Yeah. Alright, so next, Dumbledore dismisses Harry, but when Harry goes to open the door, who should walk in? Lucius fucking Malfoy. He stomps right in. He is here to yell. He's here to ask for the manager. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Harry thinks his hair is a mess. That's actually just his new Karen haircut. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He has Davi with him. And he starts yelling. Malfoy's mad that Mr. Malfoy. He's mad that Dumbledore returned to the school when Mr. Malfoy worked so hard to get him kicked out. But apparently, according to Dumbledore, the other 11 school governors wrote Dumbledore asking him to come back saying that Malfoy threatened their family. To get them to agree with him. So he came the fuck back. Good. I also agree that 12 is a weird number of governors. Shouldn't it be an odd number just for procedural purposes? I think there's like 12 and then there's the head. I think there's 11 and then there's the head governor. Because Malfoy is the head governor, uh, not just one of the governors. Okay. Not for long. Okay, so Dobby is like... When, when Malfoy and Dumbledore are, like, yelling at each other, Dobby's in the background, and he's trying to, like, communicate something to Harry. He's, like, pointing at the diary, and then he's pointing at Mr. Malfoy, and then he punches himself in the face. Okay, so you have to think of Dobby as so incredibly subhuman, even though he's not human, I get that, but, like, so, like, yeah, sub-sentient being, in order to not notice at all that he is gesturing wildly. At yeah. They're in the heat of the moment. Yeah. Well, yeah. Dumbledore's never in the heat of the moment. He's cool. What are you? Um, the the guy with the hamburgers. No, no, no. What are you? Hot or cool? Cool. Oh, uh, cool. You're ready. Mr. Malfoy's in the heat of the moment. Yeah. So Harry finally realizes what Dobby's trying to say, and he is like, "Oh, Mr. Fucking Malfoy. Um, you know how Jenny got that diary? You gave it to her." Yeah, which he pulled the specific book that 
Mr. Malfoy put it yeah, into. Like, I, did, I didn't buy that what either. What fucking 12-year-old is going to be like, that's right, Lucius put it in. So it was the Transfiguration book that Jenny yeah. got pulled out. Like, what? I agree. Um, I will say, I got we get like this really nice piece of information about the um, Weasley family. Because Dumbledore is talking about the fact that he thinks that Malfoy basically intentionally targeted the Weasleys to take Arthur out. Because yeah. Arthur is so involved in muggled affairs. And if his daughter was seen killing a bunch of muggle-borns, then it would be particularly problematic for their family. But he mentions that Arthur Weasley, like, essentially authored the Muggle Protection Act, which is, like, super cool. That is super <laughs> cool, your face! That is super cool. It's just very sweet. Like, and also Dumbledore refers to the Weasleys as one of our most prominent pure-blood families, which is the first time we've heard of them being really anything other than plump and poor <laughs> yeah plump and poor and like a little silly a little kooky yeah but they're well, all i think he's trying to speak mr Malfoy's language he's like well if this is all you give a shit about try giving a shit about it mm-hmm. Wait, yeah, did like, anyone else get a nice mental image of like arthur sitting at a wooden table writing this act and just working on it and molly bringing him cocoa or tea and setting it next to him rubbing him on the back like hot cocoa instead of therapy <laughs> I just got this really sweet visual of that. Oh, I, I just Aww. like that we threw some respect on the Weasley name finally. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, mm-hmm. for sure. I, I really, I think that like that line where Dumbledore is like elaborating on like I'm pretty sure this is why you were doing that, and by pretty sure I mean completely sure. Like this is one of the most underappreciated pieces of world building I think in the entire series because this is kind of the first time that we're like, oh, wizards have like laws and politics. There's, like, a power structure going on here. It's not all just, like, magical shenanigans. Like, there's yeah. there's maneuvering going on with the adults that we don't understand yet. And, like, each book gets you a little deeper and deeper into that until finally by the last book, it's like, we gotta go, like, beyond it. Mm-hmm. Da-na-na. We gotta tear the system down and rebuild it ourselves. <laughs> Aw. I think it's also just, like, the first introduction of, like, the concept that events that happen outside the school, outside of like what we can read in the pages, are affecting events inside. So she does a really good job like like dipping the water so then later books, when things happen outside, it's not like kind of like a shock. It's like, okay, yeah, I, the currents move out around this and they affect what goes on here and what affects here goes on outside too. Yeah. Lucius like storms out once he realizes that like there's no way that he is in a precarious situation. Harry's like, "Can I have the diary back?" <laughs> and Dumbledore is literally like, "Certainly, but hurry, the feast." He just remember? he doesn't give a shit. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, like "Okay, eat. yeah, take this, whatever, but do remember that I'm hungry." Um, okay, not to keep bringing up our very first episode ever, but I listened to our very first episode ever today about the chapter The Boy Who Lived in the Sorcerer's Stone, and if you'll remember, that scene between Dumbledore and McGonagall starts with Dumbledore being like, I got this feast to go to, um, so let's get this done quickly. <laughs> Dumbledore parties! <laughs> he does party. He likes a good feast. It's, he's so skinny. Like, let's get some meat on them, Ben's. So, yeah, Dumbledore's like, sure, take the diary, which... That's kind of one of the things where I'm like, maybe he doesn't like for sure know it's like a horcrux, because I feel like I would hang on to that. I don't know. I would hang on to that. He does, ultimately, doesn't he? 
I feel like we see it in his office at a later date. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, he has like a pile of work. They probably get it from the Malfoys after Mr. Malfoy is arrested in book five. Ooh, we got that to look forward to. That's fine. I think he probably got it from Dobby. No, because Mr. Malfoy takes the sock and throws it at Dobby. Okay, wait, let's get there. Let's get there. So Harry puts... um, I wrote down he puts his sock in the diary, and I was like, that's gross. But then I read it again, and I was like, nah, he puts the diary in the sock. That's disgusting. <laughs> okay. As from a size perspective, what is the ratio of a 12-year-old boy's sock to a whole-ass diary? Like a moleskin. It's, it's going to have been one of Dudley's old socks, or possibly Uncle Ooh, Vernon's. That's a great Probably point. Probably not, though, because this is his Hogwarts uniform. And I'm assuming I don't know if socks I don't think Hogwarts I don't think he, Hogwarts provides socks. I think it's just the robe. He mentions yeah. throughout that he has their socks like in his school trunk throughout the series. They bring it up at least once when he gets like a sneaker scope that won't stop yeah. whistling, he hides it in a pair of Uncle Vernon's old socks. So I think that they and well, but he uh you know what? I think there's no way to answer this because he could have just bought himself some new socks in Madame Malkin's. Mad money, but would he? He's a twelve-year-old boy. He's like, I got socks. Who cares? I mean, it depends <laughs> on how irritating they were. I guess. <laughs> anyway, speaking of socks, um, Mr. Malfoy's like, you're fucking disgusting, and he rips off the sock and he throws it aside. Okay, I, I personally probably would not touch or receive this item that's being handed to me. I don't know about you guys, but it's like a very incriminating piece of evidence against me wrapped in a dirty sock of a sh- of someone I don't know very well. And like, it says he forces it in his hand, but I, I would just back up, I think. I'd be like, no, dude, I'm not gonna... <laughs> I think you might like throw it at him a little bit. Like, uh, uh. <laughs> I will say this is a, a point where I prefer the movie rendering of it, where he puts the sock in the diary and then Lu- Lucius hands the do- diary to Dobby, because to yeet a sock at a house elf and have the house elf just like errantly catch it and be like that counts seems like too much of a loophole to me uh i don't know man he i feel like he could have just handed it to dobby without really thinking twice about it because he's in the heat of the moment i mean it says that he throws it and then dobby even reiterates master threw it and dobby caught it yeah i I think think he accidentally threw it right at dobby well in I think you're also, most ourselves don't want to be freed. So I think Dobby is probably like the one that's actively looking for, like, he's looking for the, 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 whatchamacallit, um, the his precedent. Or like, he's looking for the little, the loophole. He's looking like, for his golden ticket, and it's yeah. the slimy, disgusting sock. You oh, gave me the sock, you gave me the <laughs> Just like skipping through the streets singing, I've got a golden ticket. Yeah. <laughs> Once again. Could you imagine, like, an alternate universe where, like, Malfoy is, like, angry, so he takes Harry Potter to court, and they, like, they go over the intricacies of, like, slave laws? Yeah, hell's elf law. It's like, like, Harry Potter, book three. Harry goes to the magical court, like, you know. I mean, he does go to the magical courts, though. Well, yeah. Civil lawsuit. So, Mr. Malfoy's like, come on, Dobby, let's go, but Dobby's not fucking coming. Master has given Dobby a sock. Dobby is free. Take that bitch. <laughs> Malfoy tries to lunge at Harry. I love this because Dobby uses his magic against him. I, like I wrote, immediately. I wrote, Dobby fucking gets him. Yo, three exclamation points. Bang. OMFG down the stairs. Haha. That's my exact note. He shoves him down the stairs. That's very intense. And then starts giving 
orders like immediately like you shall go now you because shall I'm not touch Harry Potter you shall go now I love bitch. he dismisses Mr. Malfoy he's yeah. like you're done yeah, out. <laughs> you're banned I just wrote part of the lyrics to rise up when you're living on your knees you rise up tell your brother that he's gotta rise up tell your sister that she's gotta rise up how self-liberation you do yeah dobby gives harry a hug and then disappears where where do we think dobby's going right now i had that exact note I'm like, where does he, where would he possibly go? The Hogwarts kitchens. I think he's literally just like, well, it calls for a feast. Because at the same time that Dobby's being liberated, a bunch of house elves just got woken up in the middle of the night and told that they need to prepare a feast immediately. So just (laughs) want to put this in perspective for everyone. I mean, it when we meet Dobby again a few books later, like he's been job hunting and like has finally found work at hogwarts but like just that year so he spends at least like book three really just like wander yeah just like wandering the streets like trying to find a job just like just like looking at the classifieds and the daily profit do you wait do you think dobby has possessions at the malfoys he has to go get i think it's just like a stack of dirty pillowcases oh but is that meaningful to him does he go get them Someone needs to write some fan fiction where they're just like Dobby, the lost years. <laughs> like Appa's lost days? Dude, oh, last days. Uh, I'm sorry, Appa. Dobby is walking around with the sword of Gryffindor and he's slaying monsters and beasts and he's just home. Oh, bitches. he can't carry that sword. You oh, just no, really he, want this Witcher crossover. Yeah, I, really Witcher crossover. <laughs> I can't stress it enough. Um, <laughs> Dobby, Harry, I don't care. Just as long as we're slaying some bitches and slaying some beasts. Honestly, here's my personal beautiful moment for Dobby. He's finally free. He spent his whole life in Malfoy Manor. He probably has seen pictures of like far off and interesting places. And I think he just magics himself to a beautiful field that he's only seen a painting of and just sits there and enjoys this moment, knowing that no one can ever tell him where to go or what to do ever again. Does he magic to maybe like the coast like a nice little like beach cottage no i don't don't know no christina to enjoy the breeze no i was thinking more like english downs you know like the rolling hills of like the english downs Mm -hmm. so let's go to the feast distraction let's go to the feast that's why Dumbledore did it distraction (laughs) jingly keys jingly keys okay very important question um Ginny's at the feast. Yeah, which she did, probably should go to bed. Did Molly and Arthur just go, okay, looks like everything's fine. I guess we'll just head on back. I hope they're at the feast, too. They're not mentioned, and I feel like I they, they would are. be if they were there. Aw. Everyone's in their PJs. They're, they don't have their PJs. They can't go. It would be embarrassing. You they're overdressed. You can't show up fully clothed to a PJ party. All right, honey, now you go and enjoy your feast and then take your exams that, you know, you are totally going to still have to take, even though you just got done being possessed for a few months. But also try to relax, you know? So a bunch of stuff happens all in one, like, sentence. Like, like Her- Hermione shows up, but we don't get a reunion with her. She barely gets dialogue. I don't like that at all. She gets no redemption. Like, and then Hagrid shows up back from prison he doesn't really get to speak again any redemption either gryffindor wins the house cup this is literally all one sentence and then it's like exams are canceled as a quote school treat which yeah fucking right 
Um, what does that mean for Is it one of those things like they always tell you in college that if like someone dies, everybody gets an A? Or is it a thing where it's like, your grades are now frozen wherever they were? Oh, damn. Or like, what if you're supposed to take your newts? Like, you've I been think that the newts and the owls time. happen earlier. Kind <laughs> yeah, of like do, the still, SATs or whatever. The rest of the term passes in a haze of blazing sunshine. Malfoy, Mr. Malfoy gets sacked as the school governor. So that's fun. Quote, this is where the quote, Ginny was perfectly happy again. <laughs> Unquote. She's fine. Don't worry about it. She needs <laughs> therapy, my dudes. What do you need therapy for? She's a girl. She's just being dramatic. Oh. <laughs> oh. They, they all get on the Hogwarts Express to go home for the summer. And then we get confirmation. We've been speculating a lot about the exact nuances of what Ginny, what Ginny saw. Ginny, what? I don't care about you getting possessed. What was Percy doing? <laughs> and he, Ginny walked in on Penelope and Percy kissing in an empty classroom. So they weren't in the bathroom, which was my theory, and they weren't fucking, and he wasn't masturbating, which were some other theories. <laughs> but, or Ginny has two things she's traumatized about. <laughs> if but they were she, kissing, I feel like they were kissing, like, what's the Bachelor episode that we just watched? What are their names? Claire and hashtag, Dale. Hashtag so Claire, Claire, hashtag I, Dale, hashtag true love. So, I, if they're kissing, Caitlin. I think they're like Claire and Dale level kissing, where it's like, we're just kissing, but we're also like on a bed and basically fucking. It's dry humping. I miss that kind of shit from high school when you would just like make out on a couch for four hours until you couldn't feel your face anymore. The good old days. No, 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 no. <laughs> Dry humping was like, as a male, dry humping was like getting punched in your crotch over Dude, and over again. You gotta practice being sexy. Getting punched in your crotch? You can't always. <laughs> yeah, like a, sh- like a Shaolin monk just gets it's... smacked in the balls you, over, and can't over, always, over and over. You can't always have sex because you're in high school and there's yeah. parents about. You know, Christina, no one wants a callus on a penis, okay? Yeah. That is not something that this dicks, world dude. needs. <laughs> what I'm saying is, I had a good time. <laughs> here's something. Here's something that never gets brought up. Teenage girls are just as awkward as teenage boys. So their humping isn't really rhythmic or sexual. It's, once again, punching your crotch (laughs) over and over and over again. That's what you get for having a sensitive crotch. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you guys. There's lots of over-the-pants stroking as well. (laughs) You know, everyone's favorite type of stroking. My favorite is the negotiation of how many layers of clothes you get to put your hands under or over. Where you're like, okay, you can go under the shirt, but over the bra. Yeah. <laughs> you just reminded me of that monologue that fucking Bender does in um, The Breakfast Club when he's like just talking really intensely about making out and fucking. Do you guys remember what I'm talking about? He's just like really sinisterly like, like over the shirt, no bra, blah, 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 in the back of your dad's car, or like, whatever. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna put a clip. Alright, you guys will know what I mean. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever been felt up? Over the bra? Under the blouse? Shoes off? Hoping to God your parents don't walk in? Do you want me to pee? Over the panties. No bra. Well, some button. Calvin's in a ball on the front seat past 11 on a school night. <laughs> 
Just you watch that movie in ages. Yeah, it's uh, the kind of movie I thought was really brilliant in high school. You know what I mean? And now I'm kind of like, all right, I get what you're doing. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, in high school, I was like, this movie speaks to me. Yeah, yeah, it speaks to me. Super speaks. It's kind of like. I can't be defined, man. (laughs) We're all divergent. (laughs) I, I also love that, you know, just furthering the line of like, there's no trauma here. Ginny's like, yeah, I saw them kissing. It's like, he was so upset when she was, you know, attacked. And it's like, <laughs> you did that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, great point. That's passive language right there. Right. Which is like, attack? fine. Which is fine. Because it wasn't, it, you know, it wasn't really Ginny. But it's like, do you really think she came fully around and being like, you know, he was so mad when, she, you know, I sicked the whole basilisk on her. Silly Percy. She probably wouldn't be like offering up th- those details. Yeah. And also, you know, just her being like, oh, you know, he was so upset, you know, <laughs> Percy just feelings. It's just Percy being all dramatic. Yeah. yeah. There's some mad drama gang. Like, wouldn't, it, <laughs> wouldn't it be hilarious if, like, Jenny just has this, like, weird, weird, like, fear of, like, snakes and shit after this? Like, she just breaks down crying and stuff. Every I mean, time. it makes sense. Like, yeah, that would have actually been really interesting for her character. Like, that or just, like, terrified of chickens. Oh. Just, like, gets very upset around chickens or won't eat chicken. Because or, they have becomes a, a fucking against her. Uh, Becomes a fucking vegan. Also, <laughs> can, I, can I just bring this up before we wrap up here? If Harry Potter happened in a day, I don't think his horcrux would have been a diary. I think it would have been his Twitter account. Oh, that would be much harder to stab someone in the Twitter account. <laughs> Honestly, that could explain Trump. Yeah, literally. Think. Yeah, give it some thought, homie. It's like give it some thought. Give me some feedback. But I'm just saying. I think uh, Tom Riddle's. I think he would have had like a secret Twitter or something like that. Is Trump's Twitter a Horcrux? Yeah. <laughs> Real talk, guys. I can't wait. Let's this not right now. Uh-huh. Then we get the the final send off. This just killed me. Of Harry writing a a phone number down and being like, hey, Ron, this is going to be a real leap for you. Yeah, he gives Ron and Hermione the Dursley's home phone number, which, like, I would, I mean, I would never, but I guess oh. maybe he's like, I'm kind of done with their rules, like, I don't well, know. Well, because he dealt with the letter thing last summer, and he's like, you know what? I need a fucking contingency. Yeah, that's true. This yeah. is still a scenario, because this is the 90s, where it's like, if you, there are no individual phone lines. Like, if you pick up a phone line, everyone else can pick up a phone line. So I'm just imagining them calling him, and, uh, like, immediately Dudley would pick up the phone to be like, are you on the phone? Oh no, this becomes like this there is a callback to this in yeah. Prisoner of Azkaban. It, it this start, comes up again. It starts yeah. with Ron not doing a very it good job. It goes exactly as you would expect it to. And then yeah. I remember it's funny, I remember that it's like it's like, well, and after that Hermione couldn't call, which is sad because she has the good sense to like yeah. use the telephone correctly. Right, yeah. No. <laughs> So then the book ends literally with a joke about how the Dursleys will probably wish Harry had just died in the Chamber of Secrets, and then together they walk back into the Muggle world at the end. This is why he needed a good ribbon or medal, so that at least he could come back. (laughs) Wait, Brooke, Brooke, I think you mean a hero. (laughs) A sandwich? He needs a sandwich. Yes, he needs a sandwich. Does anybody remember uh, Arrested Development? like the last season when uh, the one uh, brother joins the military and he comes back and he just has a bunch of stuffed animals. And she's like, 
what is this? And he's like, mother, it's my awards from army. Like, I just imagine him showing up and he's like, it's my awards from magical wizard school. Like, yeah, like go mop. Sure. You were a special, special boy that helped the whole school. You (laughs) saved it from somebody's dirty diary. Like, whoop de doo Actually, I think that the moment that he told them that he was fighting a 60 foot snake, they would reassess and be like, actually, you need to do this more often. I think it's really good for you that you uh, do anything people call too dangerous. That's your job. We're going to give you six hours of television tonight. You get to choose because you did that. And then still treat him like shit, but, you know, just reward the dangerous Like, try to, uh, try to do, like, positive reinforcement for him, like, fucking himself up. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. already a Gryffindor. They don't have to do shit. Or, Honestly, uh, I was I was thinking with the television with the um television uh, telephone thing, like maybe the reason he feels confident giving it out is that like part of the Dursleys' abuse is that they always make him answer the phone. Oh yeah, that, that sounds sure. right. Yeah, right. Also, yeah. in this one, he tells the Dursleys what he did, and the Dursleys are just like cool, and they send him on magical quests to earn coin, where he kills magical beasts. And it's the Witcher again. Speaking yeah. of Horcrush crossovers as well, do we think that the slam book from Mean Girls is a Horcrux? Because I feel like I mean, it's got, it, it's it got strong be. Horcrux energy. It literally it brings down a whole school. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And, and I'll allow it. People who don't even go to that. That's <laughs> the school in Mean Girls is low key an American magic school. Ooh, wait! <laughs> I would. Okay, I want that I crossover that. fan fiction now. Right. I would read that. Yeah, I'm sure that you exists. Could call it, you could call it Mean Witches. <laughs> good, good one. Yeah. <laughs> How about Witch Girls? You're not wrong. <laughs> or like. Oh, yeah. Or like that so, witch. Some uh, yeah, that, that, that was. I was trying yeah. to get there. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Or you chicks. Or you could call it hero sandwiches. Yeah, that's an option. She's what if you called it the witcher? The witcher. I don't know. Has anyone used that yet? Ben. We're done. Lindsay Lohan, but instead of battling like mystical beasts, she's just battling her addictions. So oh. it's just like. Key point, she is dressed like Geralt of Rivia the entire time. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> That'd be hot. Hey, do you have that dream too, Haley? I thought that was just me. <laughs> Wait, Andrew, I thought I saw you in there. Was that really you? Oh, God, it's happening <laughs> again. <laughs> um. Okay, great. Well, uh, how do you guys feel? We're at the end of the book. I mean... I'm saving my, I'm saving feeling anything for when we have an answer to what's going on. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of hard to feel any kind of way these days. I liked Chamber of Secrets more than I remembered liking it, quite frankly. Every time I read it, I think that. Yeah, me too. I think it was cool to read it around Halloween spooky season. It was definitely like a, a total vibe. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I liked it a lot. It's just, it's like, it's, it's like my shirt. It's spooky. Like real shit is going on. Do you guys remember reading this ending when you were a kid, for, whenever you read it for the first time, like the whole like Dobby thing at the end? I remember be- feeling like so victorious when I read that as a kid. It was, it was pretty good to see. Just like yeah. watching any Malfoy get taken down a few pegs. Yeah. Once. A real comeuppance. I mean, yeah. from a childhood perspective, it, it felt like 
one of it felt like watching one of your friends become like a liberated minor in a non-sad way where it's just like oh cool he doesn't have to listen to anyone anymore (laughs) you know like what a dream for like a 12 year old because i was i mean i was i was probably like nine when i read this book but like that is that is the goal when you're nine. You're like, what if I didn't have to listen to my parents? Like, what if oh, yeah. no one could tell me what to do? And I just lived on my own in a world where I don't need money or a job because I have freedom. Just oh. ate a whole cake every day. Yeah. <laughs> Haley, I know you eat yeah. a lot of cake, bitch. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yes. I do go get myself a cake. Uh, or like half a cake, a slice to a half a cake, pretty much twice weekly. <laughs> a slice to half. <laughs> I never bake it because then I have to eat a whole cake, but I go to the, because you know Kroger, mm. which is a grocery store in our area for any listeners outside of mm-hmm. the South, you can go in and they have the cakes that like people didn't pick up or whatever. They the just whoops, we, we bake too much. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Yeah. They're and like two bucks. Buy, yeah. They're two bucks. Yeah. One dollar if they've been sliced for a couple of days and mm-hmm. it's just like a single slice of grocery store cake and they're, it is my depression food. Like a hundred percent. Oh depression. no, I I do the exact same thing. I like when they have cupcakes, just a whole thing of cupcakes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's where I get movie night snacks. Like y'all, I did enjoy it more this reread than I thought I would, but I didn't enjoy it more than Sorcerer's Stone. Oh, interesting. I, I think that I, I really uh, liked the first book a lot more this reread than I have previously. And I think that uh, it it might be higher, like, of the two, I think I might prefer Sorcerer's Stone over uh, 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 Chamber uh-huh, of Secrets. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it because you, like, you, like, enjoy the world building? I think so. I, I, part of what, I, I don't know, was, Chamber of Secrets has always been weird to me because it, I know a lot of people think the third book is, like, the book that seems like the odd one out in the group, but to me, the second one's the one that seems like, it, I don't know, it just seems really weirdly paced and I don't know. It just, it's never I been my favorite. And uh, definitely this time I, I enjoyed the first one more than the second one. I would agree with that. On that one, Andrew, because it does kind of feel almost like a standalone adventure. Yeah. Like, it yeah. feels like you could kind of almost remove this one from all the other stories. And it would just be like, what happened to Harry Potter in his second year? And it's pretty boring. Nothing happened. Like, don't worry about it. Like, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. No, like you could, you could in a lot of ways remove it from the rest of the story. Yeah, the, the whole arc would continue, which kind of makes it kind of a fun, just like standalone adventure almost. Yeah. yeah, like if the series was like was like a television series, all of this like season, quote unquote, would feel like a filler episode. But I think like the hallmark of like a really well done series is that even the filler has something to do with the plot. Usually toward the end, like some big reveal happens and that does happen here. Like most of the book, yeah, it's kind of a standalone adventure, but towards the end, you get the diary, which feels like kind of a non sequitur, but then later on ends up being a huge factor in a larger piece of the overarching plot. So I I definitely agree with that. I love the first one for the nostalgia element. I love the third one for just like Sirius is my favorite character. Um, so like this one is kind of my least favorite of the series, but I always, again, enjoy it more than I think I'm going to every time I read it. So basically it's the Lost Days of Appa. So um, <laughs> I, I feel like it reads in that regard as the author not knowing if they're getting a third book. Like, it feels mm. like the Sorcerer's Stone got published, and then they were like, hey, we'll give you a second book, 
but we're not mm-hmm. sure we want to sign you for a third. We're not sure that we're like in for a penny, in for a pound on your whole seven book spread. Y'all do publishing. If someone came to you and was like, yeah, I have seven books all planned out, you'd probably be like, let's publish one, see how that <laughs> does. You know what I mean? And then you kind of like roll along. So for me, it it feels in a very real way like this was like two, you've got the first book and the second book as individual book deals. And then past that, we start to get a series sign on. Yeah. I get that. Because it's so self-contained. I am looking at my phone right now, and Mary Peyton just liked, like, 50 of our tweets rapid fire. So shout out to Mary Peyton. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) See you, babe. (laughs) (laughs) All right, are we ready to move on to some plugs? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Haley, will you start? Uh, Sure. I am going to plug uh, something that is kind of out and is going to be more out soon. Uh, it's called Way of the House Husband. Um, <laughs> Christina, I was sending you some stuff from this. Uh, yes. it's, yeah, it is delightful. It's a Japanese uh, manga about a uh, terrifying legendary Yakuza, which is like a like a mobster, basically, um, who leaves the mob to support his business lady wife full time. Um the humor of the series is not like haha dude doing girly things. The humor of the series is that he approaches homemaking with the exact same level of intensity that he used to approach like killing people. And um, precision. <laughs> yes. So it's just the funniest goddamn thing in the entire world. It recently got a uh, live action series in Japan and it's about to get an anime on I believe Netflix like next year. Um, but it is just truly and deeply the most delightful goddamn thing in the entire world. He loves his wife so much. (laughs) Doesn't he call her, like, the boss? He refers to her exclusively (laughs) as the boss. (laughs) Anyway, I'm excited for that. And, people, you can follow Haley on Twitter at TheRitToWit. Stop telling them! (laughs) Alright, Andrew, you're up. I think I'm going to plug, I haven't actually seen it yet, but the Animaniacs is coming out with a new season. Oh, yeah. And I absolutely adored the Animaniacs when I was a child. And what I'm hoping is that if enough people watch it, they might redo Freakazoid, which would be the ultimate goal for me is to get like a HBO Max money produced Freakazoid season three. So I'm going to plug Animaniacs in hopes of a greater plan. Excellent. Mike, what do you have to plug? Uh, well, as always, you can find me on Instagram at Weird Cars of RVA. And then also really, really want to plug, uh, the latest season of The Bachelorette. Um, seriously, uh, hashtag Dale, hashtag Claire. I know she's getting a lot of shade and everything, <laughs> but true love's true love and everybody's just a hater. So check that out because that's, that's just juicy. Good shit. If you're watching The Bachelorette, um, definitely hit us up because we want to talk about it. <laughs> Brooke, your turn. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Passion for Parks. You can find me on Twitter at Grumpy Brooke. I would like to plug the 60 Hikes Within 60 Miles series. They make them for a lot of cities. Um, it's by the American Hiking Society. They find basically every good hike in an hour's drive from your central location. So I have their book for Richmond. It's awesome. Um, If you are trying to be outside because it staves off seasonal depression and you're still trying to follow basic coronavirus guidelines of not traveling too far away from your home base, uh, it's a really good option. 
Uh, so it's 60 hikes within 60 miles. They make them for a lot of different cities, I'm pretty sure, but the Richmond one is particularly good and I recommend it. Hell yeah. That's a great recommendation. I've been your host, Christina. You can follow me on Instagram at your girl of the world. You can follow me on Twitter at Tina Fontina. And today I'm going to plug, I'm going to plug an old favorite, my neighbor Totoro. Yeah. I just, um, you know, I, we're waiting for the election results and I'm just at like a level 15 stress. So I think a little Miyazaki is like the vibe for self care as like the seasons are changing and, um, the world's exploding. So my recommendation is, my neighbor Totoro, because I think that's the most like peaceful, lovely one. It's just like really wholesome, <laughs> really wholesome. Um, but any of the Miyazaki films will make you feel better, and I will talk to you about them. So DM me. Um, okay, and that's all. So we got to the end of the Chamber of Secrets. Woo! Close that shit up. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> There's a dead basilisk down there. <laughs> No one cleans that. No, no, they do not. <laughs> so over the next couple weeks, we're going to do some filler episodes. We're going to talk about the Chamber of Secrets movie with a very special guest. I'm really excited about that one. We're going to air a Patreon bonus episode just as a little treat for you guys to see, get a little taste of what we do when we're not like strictly speaking about the text. And yeah, then we're going to get into the Prisoner of Azkaban just in time for the holidays. I'm excited because I love this I love Prisoner of Azkaban, the book. It's like, I think it's one of my favorites. I think it's just like really fun to read. And it's like, feels like charming Halloween town the whole time. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks guys for coming on with me. Any last words on the Chamber of Secrets? Nothing but trauma. Nothing but trauma. And with that, (laughs) we're out. Bye. 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 The Restricted Section was created and hosted by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Technical support from Sean Watson. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at RestrictedSectionPod or shoot us an email at RestrictedSectionPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or lavish praise. I've resigned myself to all of our episodes. My goal is just like under two hours. It used to be under one hour. When we first started, I was that like... That wasn't realistic. It, yeah. cer- it certainly wasn't. <laughs> the listeners don't seem to be upset. I let them vote. I was like, do you want two short episodes or do you want one long episode? And the vote was overwhelmingly one long episode. Fine. Fine. <laughs> Fine. Ha- fucking have it. It's cold and it's under season, but fucking have it. <laughs>